Okay, welcome everyone to episode four of Runtime Reverie with Patrick, Craig, and Armin. We're going to yap on about who knows what today. I think. Well, we got a, we've got a new website, right? So we um, used some really cool stuff in the JavaScript ecosystem, Tailwinds UI, with their podcast template, and um, it's written using Next.js. So we deployed that yesterday, and um, yeah, there's always like little adventures in when you in the modern front-end JavaScript world, I find. So we, we um, have settled on doing a static export, and the Tailwind UI template uses the new app directory, which is React server components um, driven. And it actually so, so that's actually an interesting point. So we both of us thought, hey, the app directory is new. SSR and Next.js is sort of a new thing with a new version. They probably use the old pages directory. It'll be fine. Yeah. But it turns out, no, Tailwind's already migrated a lot of their templates over to using the app directory. It's a new experimental thing in Next. Is it th version 13, Pat? I think it's 13. Yeah, 13. Lucky um, number. Yeah. That, whole, that whole front end space moves so fast, right? It, it, it I, I remember us working at, at a place and I remember introducing everyone to Next.js going, we should get on this. And everyone's just going, nah, it's too new. It's not going to be a thing. You know, and, and then like, you know, within a year, everyone's going, oh, why didn't you put forward us to work on this Next.js stuff? And you, yeah. Where have you guys been? You know, and now it is just world dominating. But Pat, to continue the story, tell us also why we thought about doing an export. Like, what was, why was that even a thing? Because uh, we're cheap, we're cheap um, people. So um, static exports uh, can be hosted for free. So normally Next.js requires a like a Node.js server running somewhere. Um, obviously, Vercel is a good fit for that. Um, we're trying to avoid um, for just little projects. Um, a lot of Cloud services now have per seat pricing, so it's like twenty dollars a pop per person. So for two people, it's like forty US dollars, which in Australian dollars is like a million dollars. So um, we're looking for static HTML because it's just really easy and cheap to host. Well, I mean, the cost is one thing, but I think just simplicity. You know, if, if you don't have a complicated application, a complicated use case, you're literally just trying to serve a few bits of HTML. Yep. You don't need a node server. Just serve some HTML. Just keep it really, really simple if you can. Controversial, but yeah, true. It's, it's a controversial statement, but that's how the web used to work. And yeah. uh, simple just means less complexity. Complexity is the um, the battle you're always fighting with software, right? So if you can keep that down, that's that's a good thing. Anyway, continue. What happened with the story? What? So if, yeah, if you go to runtimereverie.com, you can see the new um, website, which looks pretty nice. And um, yeah, what did we find? We had to, the each episode gets its own page rendered. So we have to tell um, Next.js with the, I forget what it's called, like dynamic params or something like that. Um, it needs to know the slugs of each um, episode. And so, um, yeah, it's, it works pretty nice. Um, and then I think we had a bit of an issue with the uh, image being broken because Next sort of assumes that there's going to be like a dynamic endpoint for rendering Im images. Um, so yeah, th I think it's it's all worked um, worked out. Um, but yeah, the the React server stuff, the React server components, I find really exciting because um, server rendered HTML is really good, a really good idea. Um, 
the founder of Vercel is actually a big proponent of um, server-side rendered HTML. So um, they're leaning heavily into that, and that's partly why that he created Next.js to begin with. Um, so there was a recent blog post um, on the difference that they ported a um, an app using Rex client components and load, loaded a boatload of JSON to present as charts and stuff. And then they ported it to Rex server components and they just like shape, it was like a tenth the size of, um, in terms of RAM usage. But the, the thing that surprised me about that, that conversation was, why was it a surprise to anyone? We knew this a decade ago when we decided to build SPAs and ship tons of JavaScript to the browser. So why was this a surprise to anyone that it's, less code being sent to the browser and yeah, uh, I don't think it's a surprise. I don't know. It's just, it's the, there's these, it's become sort of um, two camps, right? You've got the back end and the front end. And sometimes they're like, even though we've got these sort of multidisciplinary teams, we've sort of got a more of a person on, in the team who's more front end and someone on the team who's more back end. And they sort of want to have their own nice tools. And, um, and so there's a sort of, almost between literally where's your application is it more in the browser or is it more on the server and the i think the past 10 years has been um the fight's been more on the browser um because of these a lot of like stuff around developer experience which i think obviously um is important and has made a huge difference but some of it's for user experience so you get the fast navigations like if you go to a, a pretty simple website, if you click on an episode, it's like instant. It feels like, an, feels like a native app. So that's really nice. Um, but I think for me personally, sometimes it's like over the benefits of that are over exaggerated. And it means like inheriting a lot of complexity. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it comes down to what you want your application to be like, right? Like, what's the user going to experience, right? The user doesn't care if it's React server components, you know, some JavaScript, jQuery, uh, or any of those sorts of things, right? They're just hitting the page and wanting to look at it, you know, a little different, you know, if you're looking at apps and those sorts of things. But, like, it's to me, it was the paradigm is you're sending the whole program down, then running it, or you're just sending it on the output of the program that was being run, you know? Yeah. The user cares about the output. Of it. I mean, we're, you're still running things, you still got CSS engines and all of those sorts of things, but that's what they're designed for. So, you know, it's always, what does someone want? The rest doesn't really matter that much. Um, but developer experience to me, top line thing that everyone should actually make, all right, so that you actually got different people, different skill sets, you know, and the way that they do things. And when you get to really large, big, complicated stuff, you're going to have divisions of labor and skill sets. It's not like when we first started off on the internet and making HTML pages, although that seems to be back where we're at, um, you know, and then you start to add interactivity. These days, it's like we've got the API people, we've got the database people, we've got the front end engineer, we've got the product person, you've got the designer. You know, it's a team sport rather than an individual one. But yeah. Much better. The thing is that those people become, they focus on their particular, um, what their job is, and they think it's like central to the whole thing. And then they sort of fight to keep it keep it in place. So if, if you have a technology that removes the need for an API, like an HTTP API, they're gonna mm. be like, what, you know, but that's what I do. So, yeah. um, and same with design, I think. Um, 
So I don't, I don't know, like it, I think for me, some of the JavaScript stuff, um, especially because First Hell's gotten so commercialized, like I think what they're doing is pretty amazing, but they're incentivized to have the before be really complicated because then they can come in and have their really simple solution with the great developer experience. So I think they're actually incentivized to have the whole space be really complicated um, because it, it, it opens an opportunity for them. Yeah, I, I think that's actually my my biggest issue right now. We, I I would much rather do more heavy lifting on the server than on the client. Mm. Um, uh, you know, the, the code on the client should be limited to the special cases where you need some extra interactivity or something okay. something special. But that being said, that this the world we're in now is one where uh, we've we've sort of gone backwards and forwards over the last decade from server to client, server to client, and now we're in this awkward position where you mm. look at a the typical code base and you don't know where the code is running it's, it's mm -hmm. sort of hard to know and sometimes it runs in both places and sometimes they don't sync up and you have all these weird syncing issues and uh it's that the line is fuzzy and because it's straddling both front end and back end all this heavy javascript code gets extra complex it would be much simpler if we just kept it to one side or the other Right. Yeah, and the, the, and there's several um, factors like w when us developers uh, were running the say a React app or Vue or choose, like it's not really specifically aimed at React, but when you've got these sort of single page applications running locally, I think of it as a um, a like zero latency environment or like a frictionless environment. It's like a physicist who's you know everything's like perfect and like airs you know got the perfect you know quality and like there's no there's no sort of grit or anything that would slow you down so like if you've got an api running locally on your computer and then it's talking to the front end like latency is like instant whereas as soon as you go to production there's there's some that latency suddenly exists there's there's lag there there's it becomes noticeable so if you're on a bad connection that gets amped up even more so we're sort of you sort of got this like um like worst case scenario like mobile on a pretty shoddy internet or bad wi-fi like at an airport then you've got like good a good user experience with um you know where they've got good internet and then you've got this like perfect thing where like somehow everything was instant and us developers are in on one end of that extreme and it's like well so we're test building this thing iterating viewing it but we're like in this environment that's like completely unrealistic and so it's you know, no wonder things when they're actually shipped, end users find that they're slow because one megabyte of JavaScript just doesn't affect us on our MacBook Pro or um, and um, instant API access. But whereas in production, it's different. You know, what do you think, Craig? Are you a fan of SSR? I I am, but I also think it's cyclical in nature, right? So yeah, one of the things I'll disagree with Patrick about is I think there are you know, like Vercel's motivated and driven by the fact of taking complicated things and making them easy to use, right? So if you took Create React app, you know, it got it going, but there was always complexities in that thing, right? And then you get Next.js and the developer experience on that and the focus on that was just so good that you took something complicated and made it simpler, right? But if you took like the history of React, solving a very complicated problem of messaging in Facebook, you know, updating messaging bubbles and those sorts of things, that was a real problem of complicated systems. But by making things simpler, we're actually taking something designed for very complicated systems and applying it to a web page, 
right? There's possibly a lot of overkill, but because it's easier to use, we just naturally just go for it as the one hammer in our toolbox for everything, which mm. I'm guilty of doing as well, right? So I just find that a lot of these innovations, actually, there's a lot more things to choose from. Doesn't mean you have to choose them all. And the complicated part is which to choose from what. I love actually just generating out a static site and then just shipping it and using those complicated tools because you end up knowing a bit less. Um, I it, it hasn't changed any difference since the dawn of time. Like I remember when we first started, like if you could think of something with the new app-based router and where you're going to put a page and put some componentry and everything in that, how it's server rendered and you go, and it will dynamically get a route. I did the same thing in HTML. You know, you create a page and guess what? That was the route that it got served on, all those sort of things. So old concepts that got lost along the way, just get rediscovered, rejuvenated and go forward. I love that striving for simplicity. You know, sometimes you've just got to have some bumpy complexity in order to get to that simplicity. The one thing I sort of miss though, is having just, you know, an API server with just some REST APIs and then it just talks to one thing <laughs> sitting on the client. That was sort of nice. Hmm. But I do, I do love the server rendered stuff where you can just then say, I don't need all of those things, right? Because you have the API if you wanted to extend it for other things and other purposes. Like if you've got a mobile app and a web app, you know, you're probably looking at, a, you know, an API of some sorts because you kind of need that. But when you actually got just a web page and you need to get like stuff out of a database, putting, out, putting a SQL query into that page, that was like, you go, oh, so good. And then you realize, ah, we did that in PHP, you know, uh, neat. Now we can now we can do PHP style things with React, but it just feels a bit more right, you know, on certain use cases. Yeah, I think. What's uh, so? I was going to say something, and then I've lost my train of thought. The um, one of the aspects of why a pure single page app doesn't work. I mean, this one thing first is that. Facebook created React as a technology for their use, obviously. It was, I think it was developed for Instagram, maybe, then spread to everywhere else. And Facebook's unique because they're a social media network, so they don't actually want to be um, crawled by Google. Like, if, if Google can view every Facebook post and that's um, their value being extracted, you know, you've seen all the stuff with Stack Overflow and Reddit and stuff getting up in arms about OpenAI and stuff, seeing all their content. So they don't want it. They don't care about SEO and actually don't want SEO. And so I believe the first implementation of server-side rendering in React was community um, uh, was developed by the community. It didn't come from the React team because they just literally didn't have that problem. They didn't have that need. And so um, service rendering up until I don't know three two years ago for React was sort of a bit of an afterthought. And that's why Next.js came in and said, "Hey, we've got, we're server-side rendering first. Um, you don't, uh, hey, if you've got like an e-commerce platform, you probably want SEO, here it is. Like you don't just use Create React app, which has not, none of that. Um, and it's not just about rendering server-side um, HTML. It's also just having HTTP status codes. So if I go to say even our simple website and you can go slash episode slash one, it will send back a 200. Whereas if it goes slash episode slash negative one, it should send back a 404. And so that's like really important for crawlers because they they use those status codes to know which pages are real and which pages are, are fake. So, but with a single page app, 
every route is sort of going to be 200 with the same HTML empty div that's sent over the wire, you know, being served with an S3 bucket. So then you don't get those 404 status codes anymore. And so it just makes life harder for a crawler. So it's not just about the HTML itself, but the um, just simple, yeah. does this thing exist or not? It's very, very, very simple. Well, you simplify things too, right? Like by actually having it server run and just sending back the output of the program, uh, you don't need suspense. You know, you don't need the loading spinners. You don't need all these other little bits of complexity that you tend to waste your time on. Yeah. If you can get rid of it, sometimes you can't, right? It's in the toolbox as a tool to use for sp specific things. But when you're sort of clicking around on stuff and you just want to see some text, you know, some images, movie, you know, podcast, um, you know, less things are better. So folks, this ties in really nicely with another thing we want to talk about, which is the state of front end. Um, uh, how do you how do you feel front end dev is sitting these days? Is it still you know, uh, land of cowboys and and, uh, <laughs> and the wild west, the wild west of JavaScript. I hope or, do you feel like things are starting <laughs> to stabilize or, or sort of uh, you know become a bit more predictable in any meaningful way? Like if you had to build, here's here's the ultimate mm. thing. If you had to build a new project from scratch today. Yeah. What would you do? And I had, you know, there was, there was some sort of web application. Oh, you couldn't give an answer to that, could you? Unless, you know, that's a, giving a generic answer to uh, something specific. I mean, I'm spending a lot of my time on React Native front end, right? Yeah. And that's totally different from doing web sort of stuff. And even then, you're going, do we even need a web page? You know, we're building apps and app ecosystems for all of those sorts of things, in which case, you know, they're just almost unrelated you go if you're building both then you take a different approach and go how do i get some reuse and those sorts of things out of it um to me everything's changing i still think it is a bit you know people that innovative spirit is just everywhere right for a long time css wasn't touched at all you know to see that evolving as a spec is great to see html evolving as a spec to seeing javascript even javascript was basically stagnant for such a long period of time and that just spawns all of these other nice, cool, innovative things. You know, Tailwind was, you know, a good example. Tailwind wasn't the first thing to come out like that. There's been many of them. It won't be the last either. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think it's a fun time to be around. Matt, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's complicated because yeah, I've, I've thought uh, depends. Like, if you're creating something where like you want to hire people. Maybe you want to get like you're building a business that wants to get acquired, and they don't want some, they don't want you to have chosen closure or something like that. Um, so it's hard because um, yeah, it would be it would be hard to say no to Next.js even though. Well, I the feel like it's very complicated. Always React, right, for those sort of scenarios. Mm, I think React things, right? Uh, it's 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 the default answer. Yeah, it's become the default, which is really interesting because it's. I, I started using React in 2014, I think, and so it's, like when I first used it, it was like mind blowing, um, and a lot of people had a lot of problems with it. But is it? I don't know. The, as a default, it's like I think a lot of the hooks are just like really complicated, and obviously React server components um, removes the need for a lot of that. But it's still a work in progress. That's the weird thing about React. Mm -hmm. It's 
like the past five years, this like suspense for data fetching story is still going. It's not finished. And we're like, it's the most popular thing, yet it's the most sort of beta thing. Like it's it's not finished. So it's just really confusing. It's in this confusing place. What's not finished about it? Were they, they still? Well, the server, React server components are still like a work in progress. Like Next.js are using experimental builds of React that no one else can, uh, they can use, but it's sort of, um, you're, you're sort of, you're on your own. And um, app directory stuff still work in progress. Um, they've got these like app um, action handlers, which are like, um, you can, your form can submit and then run logic on the um, the server side. So it's like uh, with like the use server, use client directives. It's like kind of complicated, but it's interesting. It's just, but it's not finished, which is. You it, know, it never will be though, Patrick. Mm -hmm. um, and, that, and that's the, actually, I think the great thing about those two projects, both Next.js and React itself is its governance of how it's been able to reinvent itself over and over through that entire journey. It stopped it being mm -hmm. stale. It, you know, when it was 10 years old, people would be still saying, oh, it's too new, you know, and, you go, and they hadn't realized how long it had been around, but that's only because it kept reinventing itself all the way through, trying to solve new problems, new solutions. The problem is to those conflicts. But my problem with it is it keeps reinventing itself, but it only goes like 80%. So it's like, oh, get rid of class components, use hooks. And then the yeah. hooks have like big flaws in them. And, it, and it's like, but it's not the complete story. Oh, okay, use rec query, use um, SWR. And like this primitive that probably just should be built in. And so then, and then like those things have to like, those things change and break and stuff. Like the developers of those libraries, their lives are pretty hard because it's, um, React is sort of this thing that's moving underneath. So it always feels 80% done to me. And that's frustrating because even though it's the most popular, it doesn't feel the most, uh, I was going to say stable. It just, it just feels sort of unfinished. And it's like they're just, even this next story, Re React server components, is like, when's it done? Like in a year, two years, three years? It just, there's always a hole that they leave. And I think that's why uh, Enterprise has probably found it very hard to adopt. Right, so if you look at the enterprise world, the, these tech options are just not the default. Um, and they might be seen as slow and old school, but there's a reason. It's because they're just not terribly stable and they're not, um, they're not, as you said, complete or done to, to a sort of standard. And so uh, they're very hard to adopt at that level. Yeah, I think the brick server stuff I find partly exciting because it's like there's this great divide between running stuff on the browser and the server, and they're saying, let's do more on the server. Let's leave this client stuff lighter. And there's a few, quite a few people in the REC community I've seen are resisting that because they just like having this one world. They just run everything in the browser and everything's nice and um, you don't have to, everything, you can just, everything's immediate. You can just, oh, I want to have this bit of state. It's just there. Um, but so if, if Next.js can successfully um, migrate the community to more the server side. I'm excited because then maybe it unlocks other server side technology that they would have um, discounted before because it's a different paradigm. So that um, excites me quite a lot. I would always trade off a bit of, you know, this sense that it's complete, all right, that it's finished, right, for evolution, right? I love the fact that it evolves. I love the fact that there's change in it. I love the fact that when you go from something that was always client side and now we're throwing in something 
um, server side, that there is a disconnect between those items, right? Because the next iteration of that change is going to try and sort out some of these things. And the solution that will probably end up being adopted is something we haven't thought of yet, hasn't evolved, it hasn't been found yet. But when it does, I'd like to adopt it, you know? So to me, there is no such thing as complete, right? On a project that is alive and living and healthy. Um, the ones that are fully complete and sort of sorted and have most of the problem solved are generally projects that are reasonably dead. You know, I think to me, the, the ultimate example of something that's not dead, but is very mature and stable, it's probably like Unix, you know, the, but it's a set of utilities and things that don't change a lot over time because they're, they're settled, right? But they're not innovative. You know, I'm not going in there looking for something completely new in my use case. Yeah, I guess there's a, I think maybe, I think this is all developer, software engineer, it's not just front end, you know, the, the attractiveness of the shiny, the new, and I think there's also an aspect where developers, if they just, if everything was too easy, they'd be bored out of their minds. So I think developers actually like things being a little bit difficult because it's a bit more challenging. Oh, cool, I get to write this custom hook. Like that's exciting. So whereas if everything was just provided on a platter, they'd be yeah. like, oh, this is too easy. It's easy to fall into this trap of saying, oh, hooks, they've got failures, they're not great. But then you go back the step of the problem that they solved, they, it really cleaned up that code, right? So that Dan Oh, not the correct code bases I've seen. Uh, look, absolutely cleaned up a lot of code on a lot of things, right? And then you look before that, that was only available to functional components and it had class components. It's, you know, better than it was. So each time adopting better, but doesn't mean you go back and rewrite history. You can't rewrite you know, a, a massive scale app with, you know, 5,000 files of components and get that done overnight. You still have to embrace what was done and make it better going forward. And I think they've done a good job. Here, here's an observation for you, Pat. And, and I agree with you. It'd be nice to move the community more back towards doing the heavy lifting on the server. That'd be great. Uh, but what I think will happen is as we do that, as we sort of uh, cycle back to server, People are going to reevaluate the language choices again. The, the reason we, you know, the community went all in on JavaScript slash TypeScript slash other was you could only run JavaScript on the browser. So you sort of had to use JavaScript. So then you had to build all this stuff around JavaScript. Then you had to, JavaScript wasn't enough. Then you had to build CoffeeScript and TypeScript and all those things. You're back on the server. You don't have to do everything in JavaScript anymore. Maybe you should consider Elixir. Maybe you should consider, you know, .NET Core or Java or one of the millions of other options you have, right? And I think that that's also going to start, um, re, you know, rethinking um, choices and lead to more innovation and more interesting options. To, to your point, Craig. So um, this might be good for the broader community. It might be bad for JavaScript, and it might be bad for Next. I. I can't, I can't see JavaScript going anywhere anytime. I started my career with JavaScript and then I wanted to be a real programmer. Now I'm back at JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's my bias. I didn't actually start with JavaScript, so that's yeah. maybe that's why I'm not so attached to it. Uh, look, you're a lot you're a lot younger than me, Patrick, but I'll put a prediction down that you'll end your career on JavaScript. <laughs> uh, I think it might be probably WebAssembly more than yeah. <laughs> awesome, guys. Um, uh, let's call it. Anything else we want to talk about? 
Oh, I mean, like I've got a thought in my mind just with the the complexity in front end. Like my specific criticism of React with hooks is that the beauty of React was that it's the, this declarative thing. You just sort of say like, hey, this component spits out this HTML tree and then you can compose those things and it's really nice. The problem I have with hooks is the dependencies, those dependency arrays. And it's like this, th that complexity is so enormous because if people start adding like use Memo and start like trying to prematurely optimize the stuff or use effects, like have imperative code running depending on when, when something changes, like that, like Galaxy Brain, like the simplicity of the declarativeness of the normal React to spit out these elements to like now we're in this like totally different complicated Rube Goldberg machine of when this particular thing changes, run this bit of code. It's that's where it's failed for me. Or maybe that's just how people are using it, but it's just like so complex, just like code that no one can um, easily run in their head. It's just that code is held to me. So um, yeah, it, it's that old thing, right? Just because you've got it doesn't mean you have to use it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I can write bad software in any language. Um, <laughs> you know, and, always, and I can also make really bad tests with them to go, you know, so. Um, That's right. There's, there's, you know, always some way to write something bad or to use some feature that you probably shouldn't be using to, yeah. to make the code extra, extra complicated. Always the case. Every language. It's so difficult. You know, it's hard always to quite complex. discipline that's really hard to learn as, as a developer. Yeah, it goes back to something we said at the start. Just say no. No, we're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to build that feature. We're not going to use use that yeah. thing. Excellent. Cool. Uh, okay, let's finish it off. Most interesting on theme. So most interesting JavaScript library, good or bad or otherwise, or comical that you've seen this last week. Or project, any anything sort of JavaScript. -y. I, look, I'm I'm coming back to an original one. I, last week, I've been trying to get rid of a whole heap of legacy validation routines and replacing them with a Zod front end architecture. So basically, as an API call hits, I'm doing validation of all the inputs with Zod. With you know, love the type safe library throwing out those errors straight on, and then just using that confident coding technique of going, I know my parameters are good at that point in time, and then ripping out all the validations deep down. It's amazing how many libraries to check things exist in an old code base that has lived for many years, you know, and just ripping them out one at a time. And then every now and then you just get the, I can remove that dependency. How cool is that? That's interesting. That's, this like, is dev. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah, right. Love it. It's, I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple out there that uh, are doing similar sorts of things. Uh, some that are a bit more lightweight, but um, it's just tried and trusted for me. Love it. Love it a lot. Um, yeah. But combined with a good architecture for how you do validation, like you can still take something good and apply it terribly. But yeah, that in a clean architecture equals cleaning up your code dramatically. Love it. We'll have to check it out. Gonna look at it after this. Yeah, it's okay, funny. Let's... Oh, it's funny. I'll just put mine in. It's funny because you yeah. mentioned Zod. So there's a, I think it was the past week or just a bit over, Valleybot, a less than one kilobyte Zod alternative was released by the builder.io people. So <laughs> that's 
Yeah, I, but, I looked at that and I thought, oh, is that like Preact and React? Yeah, yeah, I just end up. Yeah, because I think because Zod is tree shakeable, but if you look at bundle phobia, um, it's like fifty-seven kilobytes minified, thirteen kilobytes minified gzipped on slow three G. That's like a quarter of a second. Like it's not the lightest weight library, um, but yeah. Yeah, but this was all server-side, right? So my front end, which mm. is basically React Native apps, we do mm. no validation on the front end. No, right? so we actually say, So if you hit a, a button to go to the next thing, we validate server-side, and the errors come back and are controlled from server-side, so you don't have to redistribute the app later yes. on. But also, you provide good feedback. So like, if you gray out a button, you don't know why the button's grayed out, you can't go in and fix it. So you just leave it enabled. Validated at the end and saying, "Hey, you forgot to fill in your name." So and, simpler. Yeah. and it's so much cleaner. So the front end that does is back to being a dumb front end, you mm -hmm. know, which is kind of nice. That's awesome. That's yeah, cool. Be a great one to look up. Awesome, folks. This was a fun one, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Cool. I see you.